We should pray before we open the word of the Lord. And uh, let's pray that the Lord helps us to take his word seriously. Because there's a whole lot of people that uh, I notice, and I think you notice too, that they don't take it seriously at all. It's, uh, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, my mother was a, one of the ushers at a Billy Graham crusade. So I grew up under Billy Graham's ministry. And, and, and I grew up that when he said, the Bible says, you perk up and you listen. And now, maybe you're noticing, if, if someone says the Bible says, it's, the first thing they do is give you a squint. Like, so what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. And unfortunately, to a lot of people, it doesn't mean anything. But to us, it does mean something. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Can I get an indeed? <laughs> that's, that's what Bob tells us we say here. We say indeed. Indeed. Well, let's pray and agree together that the Lord will give us ears to hear. Father, we thank you that you've given us this liberty, this grace to study your word and to serve you and to honor you. And I pray, Father, you'd help us to take everything seriously. Lord, I pray that you'd let there be a sweet anointing of your Holy Spirit that will rest on this class, that we will have ears to hear and a desire to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This uh, is a, a fill-in for our regular teacher, Ron, who is out of town today. And uh, he's going to finish the uh, Apostles' Creed next week. And then uh, he said, uh, next week we may pass out some more cards. If anybody else has any questions, like we did a couple of months ago, you didn't get uh, your, your questions answered, or maybe you didn't like the answers you got, <laughs> throw them at us again. And, uh, that was an interesting experience. Well, we're going we're to we're try it again and see how that, see how that goes. What I've uh, chosen to uh, talk to you about today is just one proverb in chapter 14, verse 9. And you'll see variations of it depending on what uh, version you're reading. But I'm going to quote it to you out of the original Paul and Silas version. That's the King James Version, just in case you don't know that. That's the one that Paul and Silas use. Right, Chuck? You know that's true. That's right. Oh, they, 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 it's the only one they used. Yeah, the, the old original King James and uh, the variations we see in different translations, they're on the same subject, and there are, uh, especially in Hebrew, there are amazing, uh, there's an amazing latitude of liberty within translation where, depending on the translator and who he's translating for, what he perceives or what they perceive their audience to be, it could go a slight different uh, direction, or it, it's uh, more often than not is just a, a personal choice of the translator to translate a verse one way or the other. But in the 14th chapter of the Proverbs, in verse number nine, we find one of these, it's a comparison. A lot of Proverbs have this structure. The first part says, you do this, this is what you get. You do this, this is what you get. And it's usually a contrast between good and evil. There's a lot of contrast between the wise men or the righteous people and fools. This is one of those Proverbs where there is a contrast between the wise and the foolish and it simply says, fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. Now, this lesson has been kind of cooking. It's been simmering on the back burner for a while. Uh, and all I can tell you is I think uh, uh, 
for preachers, at least for preachers or teachers, uh, we, we feel this internal pressure of the Lord to teach something or preach something. And it's because of the need that we perceive uh, the people need to hear it. And it's because it's in the Word of God and we honor what the Word of God says. And there's always something in it. There's no wasted real estate on any page of Scripture. Every verse, even the ones that you think, well, that, you know, what can that mean? It's there for a purpose, and we just don't know it yet. And uh, I may not be able to tell you what that purpose is, but I hope we're going to be on the target as we look into just this first part. Fools make a mock at sin. Have you noticed that people don't take sin lightly in our uh, world? Uh, if you ever say to someone, uh, Jesus died for your sins, and people, like when you say the Bible says, they say, well, so what? I'm not that bad. I don't have that many sins. Uh, people take sin very lightly. And by the way, I want to remind you that this verse is written to God's people. If I were to go out and preach on a street corner and I said, fools, make a mock of sin, it wouldn't have any impact at all. They don't care. They don't believe what the Bible says in the first place. And they certainly don't care about taking sin seriously. But uh, all of these uh, uh, verses in the Proverbs are written to God's chosen people. Because we're the only ones that take the Word of God seriously. Nobody else cares. So therefore, we should take it serious and learn by the mistakes of others and the, uh, the, the, the lackadaisical attitude that people have towards sin. And I want to tell you that sin is a very serious issue. So serious that it caused the Son of God to be crucified. And again, that's something that people don't take uh, very seriously. As I was saying a minute ago, and I'm getting a little bit beyond my notes here, you're just going to be like a fat man going through a barbed wire fence. There'll be a point here and a point there. You know, this <laughs> may not be very well outlined, you know, but there'll be a point here and a point there. So uh, uh, when you talk to people about uh, Jesus dying for their sins, first of all, they take it lightly because they're ready it, I'm telling you, everybody is locked and loaded for self-justification. You say, Jesus died for your sins. And I said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't need anybody dying for me. I believe Ted Turner, remember him, the guy who started CNN? He said that Christianity was a religion for losers. He said, I don't want anybody dying for me. I think uh, later in his life he, uh, he reneged on that. I hope he did for his sake because what a horrible, disrespectful thing to say. But that just goes to show you the abject ignorance that is floating around in the world, especially towards the things of God and the Word of God. And sin is a very serious thing that people don't take serious. It caused the Son of God to be crucified. And only the people of God know how serious it is. So when we rub shoulders with heathens and we see that sin has no effect on them, even to the place where you will see a living out of this, this first stanza of this proverb, fools make a mock at sin. They actually take it lightly to the place where they make fun of it. And that's what fools do. You and I don't do that. So as you've noticed, most people in the world, they don't hear this proverb. They don't fear it either. Uh, words of warning have no effect on their lives, but we people of the book are different. So, we, uh, I don't have to convince you of the horrendous nature of sin, but uh, only when we're in the presence of the Lord do we realize how bad 
sin is. And for a couple of scriptural references, uh, you don't have to turn to these if you want to, but I'll just read you. In, in Luke chapter 5, there is a, uh, just a, a, a passing uh, part of this narrative here uh, of how Peter was made aware of his own sinfulness. And I want you to notice how it happened. This is Luke chapter 5. I'm reading. Uh, this is where Jesus tells uh, Peter how to do his fishing. And remember, Peter's a commercial fisherman. And, and if, if you've ever known commercial fishermen, they don't take lightly when someone who's not a commercial fisherman tells them how to do their, their business. You know, so uh, Peter said, well, you know, Lord, uh, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been toiling all night and we took night. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled their partners to come to the boat to help them. And they came and filled the boat so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, this is what I want you to get. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. A net full of fish caused this rough, cussing commercial fisherman to be humbled and realize he was in the presence of a holy God. There's something about something miraculous, and when a person's heart is right, as Peter's heart was, that he knew he was in the presence of God Almighty. And the first thing that he was aware of was his sin. Now, obviously, the people that we rub shoulders with are not aware of their sin. They have not had an encounter with the Almighty, Holy God, and that's why they take it lightly. That's why they mock it. That's why they make fun of it, and they make jokes about it. That's the first scriptural reference. Another one is in Isaiah chapter 6. You're very well familiar with this one. When Isaiah sensed the presence of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Well, this is, uh, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, two covered his feet, two covered his face, with two he flew, and he called one to another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. This is a heavy thing that's going on here. We don't realize it when we read it. You know, when you read something like this, especially this narrative in, in Isaiah, you should pray that the Lord helps you to get into it. We should want to be as smitten and as shocked as Isaiah was when he was in the presence of an almighty, holy God. And uh, there's, a, there, there's a theological uh, descriptive word for this uh, repetition of, of the word holy. Holy, holy, holy. It's a, uh, I forgot what it's called. I, uh, it, Try Hagion or something. Uh, if J.K. was here, he'd, he'd, he'd be a good one to tell you. But uh, when, when something is repeated three times, it's there for absolute emphasis. Holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, here's the point I want to bring out. Isaiah, in the presence of this holy, almighty God. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That's what being in the presence of a holy, almighty God will do. It will reveal to you how bad you are. People don't like to hear that. You know, we want to hear these up with message people. You know, tell me how good I am. You know, tell me how good it's going to be. <laughs> You're not good. I'm sorry. 
There's none that doeth good. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, people don't like to hear this. They would rather hear one of these up with people messages. And I'm sorry, but before you can be raised up, you need to be put down. And Jesus has to bust the hide before he can pour in the oil and the wine to bring about the healing. So that's the second. The third reference is in Matthew chapter 28. And let me just read this for you briefly, and then we'll move on with a couple of passing comments, and we'll be through. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. This is an interesting uh, occasion when uh, Jesus heals two men with demons. They came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Demon-possessed people never had to be convinced of the deity of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how liberal theological scholars they say, well, I'm not so sure that Jesus was who he said. <laughs> but you get a guy full of the devil, they know immediately who Jesus was. And another thing they knew, they knew that it was a short amount of time before their sin was going to be judged. Again, it's a revelation of sin that is so serious and people take so lightly. And we have to wonder, as we live in our world, why is it that people are so dull and how could they take sin so lightly? Just the other day, I didn't even plan on including this in my notes. It's not in my notes, but like I said, you know, point here and a point there, just kind of bouncing around. Anybody remember Charlie Rich? Old blues country singer, you know, behind closed doors. Hey, have you seen the most beautiful? He, he's got another song, and I think it's Going With The Flow. And I just keep going with the flow. I mean, I can't sing. I, uh, I wouldn't want to sing that one anyway. But there's a line in that song that I find puzzling, confusing. And, and, and why would they even put a line like this in a, in a, in a secular song that has nothing to do with uh, God's grace or forgiveness? Well, the song kind of goes like this, and I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. Uh, uh, the meaning of the song is, you know, I'm just going with the flow and everything's just going good and, and I'm okay and you're okay, you know, we're all all right. And uh, the line in the song that really concerns me is when he says, and my friends forgive me for all my sins. Now, if you've ever heard this song, or if you hear it again, you'll take notice of this and say, where is this guy getting off? thinking that there's any efficacy, any goodness, any redemption in the fact that our friends forgive us of our sins. They're just as messed up as we are. Let me tell you something. That's a very popular theological persuasion. You know, Bill, if you tell me, well, you're okay, you're a good guy. Well, that's good. That makes me feel good. I think you're okay, too. As long as we're just patting each other on the back, we all just get along just fine. But when we compare ourselves to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, Everybody, every one of us comes up short because we realize how far we've come. But this just goes to show you how the world takes advantage of something as serious as sin and the need for our forgiveness of sin and turns it into a line in a song and says, yeah, well, my friends, forgive me of my sins. That's just what we want to hear. 
We don't want any righteous condemnation from on high. We don't want to have to look to the cross and say, what a horrible thing that was. That's my sins that put that Savior up there. We don't want to come to grips with that. So the other thing we do is we mock it and we take it lightly. And that's what this proverb tells us don't do. Fools make a mock of sin. Now, we mentioned these instances when the results are uh, these three things I just mentioned, that uh, people are confronted with the holiness of God. You know, the subject of sin and holiness and hell that we're going to talk about in a little bit, all these things are interrelated. There is a hell because of sin. Holiness is the exact opposite of what our sin is and what it takes lightly. So one thing is certain, there's no lightness or, or frivolity concerning our sin. Uh, this message is about how uh, so many have not only never sensed this, but they go even further into the darkness with our reprobate culture and mock the very thing that nailed our Savior to the cross. I think that's serious. I think it's a serious offense. I take offense at that. I don't like to hear people make fun of Jesus. I don't like jokes about hell. I don't like jokes about heaven either, although some of them are mildly amusing. But... Uh, I do have to tell you one. That's that's. that's. <laughs> the devil make you do it. No, 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 no. This is my wife that that made me do it. I don't think I told you this uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I forget. It's been a month or so since I told you, but uh, because my wife told you this, I can tell you this. All right. If if. If another guy or another preacher told me this, I would, I would be hesitant to share it with you. But because my wife told you, and she laughed about it, and we laughed together, I said, well, maybe, maybe we could have a little chuckle over this. This, this guy goes to heaven uh, uh, after his, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, let me get this straight. <laughs> this guy dies and he goes to heaven. Ten years later, his wife finally dies. You know how women usually outlive their husbands anyway. So anyway, she shows up and she sees her husband. She says, honey, oh, darling. She says, I've missed you so much. I can't wait. We have so much to talk about. He said, well, our contract was still death. <laughs> our contract was still death. Okay. Now, I told you, my wife told me that and she left so, so I could share that with you. See? You know, light jokes like that. Come on, hey, you're married for a while. Come on, yuck it up. You can laugh a little bit. <laughs> right? It's, okay. So, that has nothing to do with taking sin lightly. It's just a lighthearted married joke for those of us that are in the midst of this blessed experience, which is marriage. Now, I'm going to tell you that a very common way, it's so common, and you've heard this so much, uh, you may be uh, a little shocked at uh, how bad it is that uh, there's a whole economy, there's a whole chamber of commerce that capitalizes on sin. And you probably know where I'm going with this. There is a city that calls itself Sin city. And they brag about it. Now, in their bragging about it, they're mocking the fact that this sin crucified our Savior. And their whole chamber of commerce, their whole spiel is, come here! You can do what you want! And they even <laughs> convince people that are stupid enough to believe this, what happens here stays here. 
See, that just goes to show you, sin not only separates us from God, it'll make you stupid. If you actually think that there's something that could happen in a place that brags about being a city of sin, and what happens here stays here, there's something wrong with that. That's not, that's not true at all. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a, their whole economy, and, and look, I don't know if anybody here goes to Vegas, and, and I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but, well, here goes. <laughs> we just have to take that chance. Uh, if, 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 if Vegas is a, a place for, uh, that you like as a destination, uh, Vegas is built on suckers' money. Uh, it's suckers that are paying a light bill on that strip that you could see from satellites. Suckers are paying that light bill. Uh, it's not paid by the casino owners. The favor is always in the house. The house always wins. People know this. You know, every time I go anywhere in Nevada, I can't believe how even if you go into a little podunk town, a little 7-Eleven station, if there's slot machines, there's people sitting at those slot machines at all hours of the day. It just goes to show the collective ignorance of we as Americans who think we're going to win something. And I think that it's because people have a dullness towards the Word of God. They mock the precious holy things of God, like sin, and they think, well, I'm going to be a winner. No, you're, you're not going to be a winner. So, yeah, stupid people really want to believe this lie that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And uh, you know, while they're there uh, uh, losing their money, uh, mocking sin and making light of it, ironically, at the same time, they're victimized by the very essence of the sin that they mock. They're losing money. And while they're mocking sin, while they're mocking the things of God, while they say, well, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to get away with whatever I want, yet it's, it's draining their life's savings in many cases. So, it's probably more disturbing that Christians uh, do go there and they might even frolic with uh, heathens once in a while. Uh, you know, they've never heard about the warning of the end times in Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 45 through 50. Talks about, uh, you know, you're going to be eating and drinking with the drunken and just having a good time. And then the Lord's going to show up. Would you want to be half-wasted in Vegas somewhere when Jesus comes back? I mean, you know, just let's, let's just think about it. Uh, let the Lord press that upon your heart. So what we're involved with at the time of his appearing should concern us. Do our lives or the people that we frolic with, do they mock what Jesus died to save us from? Here's the lesson, folks. Fools make a mock of sin. God's people, we should have a, a fear that we would ever enter into it. We don't even want to lackadaisically lapse into any type of sin because we know what a serious affront it is against the righteousness and holiness of God. And he saved us by his grace and faith, not of your own. It's a gift of God. He saves us, and yet we, we can take things so lightly. And uh, we need to rethink these things. Can I get an indeed? All right, I'm checking my time here. Now... Related to the uh, disturbing facts of how people take sin lightly, that translates automatically into them taking hell lightly. Hell is the destination 
of sinners who have not been forgiven. And uh, I have noticed some things here lately in the last couple of years. You know, I've been around a while. I'm in my seventh decade. Uh, I've, I've, I've noticed that, well, years ago, I mean, when I was in grade school, high school, the only time you heard hell mentioned is when it was really hot and someone would say, man, it's as hot as hell. You've heard people say that, right? And that's a lie right there. It's never as hot as hell. And the, the heat that we experience even here in South Texas is not going to last longer than six or eight months. But eventually, it will be over with. <laughs> eventually, it'll be over with. The heat and the fire of hell is something that is so unbearable and unspeakable. You know, Jonathan Edwards, it'd be good for me to quote someone brilliant like him. Uh, when I say Jonathan Edwards, you, you perk up and you should hear. Jonathan Edwards was a holy man, a divine, one of the great Puritan, greatest theologian philosophers of uh, American history. He had a way of reminding himself of the eternal judgment and damnation of God whenever he accidentally burned himself. He said, whenever I feel that burning, and by the way, we all know, if you do burn yourself, all you want is for that pain to stop. Can you imagine if it would never, ever stop? I mean, this is such a frightening, horrifying, terrifying thing. And we wonder, how is it people can make fun of this? How is it that a rock and roll group can make a very popular song about a highway to hell. I mean, some of you folks of a certain age may not have heard of this gang called ACDC, but uh, it's a very popular song. Young people love it. Oh, they hear that beat and they say, ah, one guy had it in his ringtone on his phone. I couldn't believe this. I was in Lowe's and the guy's ringtone went off. I'm on a highway to hell. And I said, do you realize what that says? He said, oh man, that's my favorite song. People don't realize how horrible hell is, and the burning, and the torture, and the pain. Let me get back to Jonathan Edwards. He said, whenever I feel a little burning, I think about the fires of hell. I think about the judgment and the damnation of God. I think about the fire of the martyrs that have burned them. You know, these are, these are holy thoughts that we moderns usually don't ever think about. You know, we, we probably don't think about, I, I hope that this short lesson here will cause you to be more tuned in to how lightly people take sin around us. They mock it, they'll, they say jokes about it, they take it lightly, they depreciate it, they devalue it, they make it like no big thing, oh, eh, everybody does it. See, we, we all want to make everybody else feel good about what we're doing, and it's a, it's a systemized demonically inspired desensitization of something that's so horrible and so horrendous, but yet we don't want to hear it. And because we don't want to hear it, we'll gladly uh, gravitate towards a devaluing or a making fun of it. So people used to say it's as hot as hell. Now, I don't know how this makes sense, why people will say some other things connected with hell. Have you ever heard someone say, well, they're as funny as hell? Have you ever heard that? I have. I mean, you hear comedians and say, oh, here's a new comedian coming on our show. Oh, he's, he's as funny as hell. I think the first time I heard that, Johnny Carson said that about someone. I don't know, maybe it was Robin Williams or someone. And he said, oh, you know, he came and sat down and he said, man, you're as funny as hell. And I got to thinking, what? Where does such a stupid, idiotic statement like that come from? 
I'm going to tell you where it comes from, all right? It, it's demonically inspired. The devil is whispering in people's ears and saying, say this, say something's as funny as hell, because the mission is to devalue and take the fear and the terror and the horror out of hell. So how do you do it? Well, you say something is funny. Funny as hell. Doesn't make sense. But yet people say that. I've heard people describe, and this is men. Women, you know men are filthy and stupid and <laughs> degenerate. But I've heard men describe women, and they would say, she's as sexy as hell. Where did that come from? What is it about hell that is sexy or funny or amusing? It has to be a demonically inspired thing because the Bible tells us how horrible it is. You don't want to get anywhere near it. It's the worst possible thing that could happen. Yet right now we're swimming in a reprobate society that is devaluing it and taking the edge off it and making it seem like, ah, it ain't that bad. You know, recently we heard our president, and I know we're not going to get into anything political here, but he was talking about how great our economy was. You, you hear what he said? He said, our economy is as strong as hell. As strong as hell. Where did that come from? What is a, a, a good economy, and I'm not so sure the economy is that good, but what is it about an economy that in a good sense would be compared to hell? It doesn't make sense, does it? What we're seeing is a worldwide, culture-wide, especially here in our country where we're swimming in abject ignorance of the scriptures. People don't want to hear what the Bible says. They, there's weak pulpits that don't announce how horrible this is, so people just say, ah, it's really no big deal. And our economy is as strong as hell, as if that's a good thing. Doesn't make sense, does it? But when hell is thrown out there in casual, nonsensical ways, it takes the edge of the fear and the horror off of it that we ought to have. And you probably know better. Although you hear it, and you hear jokes about it, and there's something that takes the edge off it. So when you're with other people, and they, you know, I, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we went up to Branson, Missouri, and at the hotel one night, I met a, a truck driver, and we just got to talk, and I told him I was a retired pastor, and, uh, this guy was uh, backslidden Baptist or something. He said, yeah, I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. So because he was a truck driver, I uh, said, well, uh, well, where are you headed? And out of nowhere, he said, well, to hell if I don't do something about it. Well, I was glad. You know, you, you say that to a retired pastor. That's like an open door. I said, well, buddy, you don't have to go there. God, the Lord doesn't want you to go there. I mean, uh, but how someone could have that right on the top of his thinking. I was shocked. I was amazed. And, <laughs> I mean, I expected him to say, well, I'm headed to St. Louis or, or Kansas City. But just out of nowhere, he said, I'm headed to hell if I don't do something about it. Well, I hope you do. So hell has been devalued and uh, minimized. I'm going to tell you another way that uh, the edge is taken off. And this is something else you hear a lot. This has to do, I'm still on the subject of fools making a mock of sin and the holy things of God and the destiny of people that persist in sin. And that place is hell. People take the edge off it, and this has been around for a long time too. How often do you hear people say, they went through hell? 
or they're going through hell. I remember, and I would never say this to veterans, but I've seen veterans that were in Vietnam, and I know that they went through horrible, unspeakable things, but I actually saw this on their jacket, embroidered on the back of their jacket, that said, when I die, I'm going to heaven, because I've already been through hell. Is that on the back of their jacket? Now, I know that it's a serious thing. I would never devalue what veterans have gone through, but you don't compare war to hell. In fact, we've heard people say that. War is hell. No, it's not. Wars eventually end. Hell never does. It is so horrible and mind-blowing. If you give yourself to thinking about it, and you could, as much as our limited, finite mind can stretch into eternity, it'll terrorize you. It'll terrify you in a, in a way that you've never been. And it's a good thing. Godly people should fear the Lord. It's a good thing to fear the Lord. Our God is a consuming fire. And it's things that uh, people just want to take lightly. So how do they devalue the horror of an eternal destiny for sinners? Well, it's brought into our modern vernacular. It figures of speech. Ah, well, they're just going through hell. The misleading lie and deception is that everybody goes through it. I mean, you know, they make it sound like it's a traffic jam or something. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, you're going through it. Oh, you're going through hell. As if you're going through it, you'll get out of it. That's where the lie is. People don't go through hell. They go to hell. And they never, ever get out. And that is so horrifying, so terrifying. You know, I have a, a, a soft spot in my soul for this. Because the Lord used this when he saved me. And we don't say this, and I don't say this lackadaisically or just to get a laugh, when I say God literally scared the hell out of me. I was terrified. So it's, it, it's as if the Lord just opened up the curtain and let me just get a glimpse. <laughs> it was so horrible. Oh, I never want to see that again. Never. Oh, it's so horrible. Yeah. You say, man, what's wrong with you? Well, I got scared. I got frightened. And it's something that I never, ever want to get close to again. Say, well, why did the Lord reveal that to you? I don't know. I guess the Lord knows what it takes to get certain people's attention. And he knew what it would take me. I was, I was living if, uh, my, my life. I was bad, although I knew better. That's the worst kind of bad. When you're raised in church and you have godly parents and you still do the wrong thing, that's what prodigal sons do. Stupid, idiotic prodigal sons of which I was a chief. But the Lord had to do something to change my trajectory. And what he did will show me where I was headed. <sighs> Believe me, folks, you never, you never want to experience anything like that. It's so horrible. So, as I hear people saying very lackadaisically, ah, oh, well, you're, you're going through hell, it's a lie. Nobody goes through hell. It is an eternal destination and uh, not everybody goes through it. But that's how fools mock sin.
and the final destination made for the practice of it. And, you know, you hear people say, uh, another version of that deception is people saying, well, you know, they've, you know, they've, they've been to hell and back. That's not going to happen. No one will ever come back. Now, there have been testimonies where people have had near-death or after-death experiences where they were clinically dead for a couple of hours, and they came back and they said, oh, what I've seen. Well, why is it the Lord doesn't show that to everybody? I don't know. God is sovereign. Why he allows some people to experience this? Why he allowed me to feel and sense what I felt? I don't know. I've talked to other people and they look at me, you know, like a, like a dog, like, well, what does that mean? I, I, I've never heard. Look, I was raised on scripture. I, I had the plan of salvation handed down to me on a silver platter. I had a godly father, a godly mother that prayed for me. And I threw it aside the Lord got my attention, though. So, when you hear this lie, he lies persistently over and over again. Something's as funny as hell. Our economy's as strong as hell. People are going through hell. Oh, they've been to hell and back. It desensitizes us to the horror of that final destination. And that's, it's something that only fools do. Sin should not be taken lightly. But because of weak, anemic preaching and not dealing with the horrors of it, our culture is dulled. We're ignorant of the terror of this eternal destiny of hell, all because of sin, which people are mocking. Boy, this is a real up with people message, isn't it? You know, this is something that uh, God's people have to deal with. We deal with reality. And the reality is Jesus warned us more about hell than he talked about the glories of heaven. And why is it that uh, people don't take this seriously? It's because we're being culturally watered down by people around us that don't want to hear it. Nobody wants a... Uh, why is it when sometimes a Christian will show up in a in a, a, a profoundly secular situation, there's some people that are instantly uncomfortable just because you're there. Why does that happen? It's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within you and what you stand for. Let me tell you something. I used to have, a, well, I still have a motorcycle, but I don't ride it anymore. But uh, years ago, I had a, a Harley, and my associate pastor also had a Harley, and we would go out and ride around together, go to the hill country and whatnot, and uh, we both needed our bikes worked on, so we went to a, an aftermarket motorcycle shop. We didn't go to the Harley dealer. We went to one of the many shops around where guys specialize in working on Harley Davidsons. And these are rough, horrible. When I say horrible, I mean it's just a, you know, there's dirty pictures hanging all over the place. And just a, it, it, it's a hellacious, horrible atmosphere. And uh, we were always uncomfortable whenever we went there. Well, we showed up at this guy's shop. And we didn't say anything. You know, we just showed up and said, well, you know, we need our bikes worked on. And we got to talk in just a couple of minutes. And uh, the guy found out. He said, well, what do you guys do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor, and this is my associate pastor. And this is the first thing he said to me. He said, oh, well, you're here to tell me I'm going to hell. Out of nowhere. We wanted our bikes worked on. <laughs> I had to correct this guy. And, uh, you know, bikers go by 
nicknames. This guy's nickname was Porkchop. I, I don't. Yeah, Porkchop. That's what they called him. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know he worked on Harleys, and Harleys were called hogs, and he chops them. So, you get the pork chop. Anyway, so I said, "Hey, pork chop, listen." I said, uh, "We're not here to tell you that." I said, "If anything, I'm here to tell you that you don't have to go there." But where did it come from? It has to be an inner, just like these demons who, when they saw Jesus, they said, "Are you here to torment us before the time?" Even demons know they're going to hell. And Jesus didn't have to say anything. He just shows up. He says, it's holy presence. And when God's people show up sometimes in a hellacious secular atmosphere, people will be uncomfortable. And they'll say, oh, here comes Benke. Uh, he's going to tell us about Jesus, uh, probably. You know, they might say something about you. God bless you, my brother, if they do, if they say that. And then, you know, they're, they're always trying to water us down. You ever, I said, oh, you know, you talk about heaven so much. You, you're, you're so heavenly-minded, you do no earthly good. Have you ever heard that? They're just trying to throw a wet blanket over you because you're excited about the Lord. How is it possible that a person could be so heavenly-minded, they do no earthly good? Can I remind you that no one was ever more heavenly-minded than Jesus, and he did all the earthly good. Why? Because he was so heavenly-minded. Folks, I would submit to you in closing this morning that the most earthly good you can do is to be more heavenly-minded. And the more heavenly-minded you are, the more sensitive you will be towards sin and the damnation that it brings. And when people just freely practice it around you and throw it around as if, eh, it's nothing, everybody does it, you stand up and you say, not so. That sin that you're taking lightly was the cause of my Savior dying on that cross. You know, I'm going to throw one more thing at you. This is something else that wasn't in my notes, but I just maybe we'll discuss this at a, another time later. You want to hear something that will blow your mind? How bad sin is and how effectual the grace of God is? What Jesus did in his atoning death for us, hanging on that cross for three hours, was so sufficient for whosoever would believe that for those who reject that perfect sacrifice can never, ever pay for it themselves. Just think about that. People will go to hell for eternity for not believing in what Jesus accomplished for you and I on the cross. Now, I, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here, and that's okay. Uh, I understand that uh, you probably have ears to hear. I hope that you do. But there's a lot of people out there that don't have ears to hear. I've tried to explain this to people, and they say, ah, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good. That's for you. You know, I've, since I've been studying Reformed theology, since I've been here, actually even before I got here, I've realized that... Uh, not everybody has ears to hear. And there's a lot of people that uh, there's nothing you can say. In fact, when I talk to some people, I say, you know what? What I'm going to tell you now, you may not have any interest in. And you know what? If you don't have interest in it, this message isn't for you. Sometimes that gets their attention. I had a pastor friend one time who uh, had one of his brother-in-laws, and he was always talking to this guy about the Lord, and this guy was always sloughing him off and saying, you know, finally this pastor said to him, you know what, Rick? I'm not going to bother you anymore. I'm just going to let you have what you want and go to hell. And this guy said, please don't stop bothering me. 
that was a good sign that at least he wanted the, guy, the pastor to not stop bothering him. There's some people that'll say, good, it's about time. I don't want to hear this anymore. They take sin lightly, and I'm warning you folks, it is a horrible thing. I'm at the end of my notes. We're almost finished. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, we have uh, a brief minute for any questions. I say a brief minute, maybe three or four. Uh, next week, Ron is going to finish the Apostles' Creed, and we will uh, possibly be passing out some more of those cards where if you have questions, uh, we can try to answer them between Ron and I. It'll be mostly Ron, because he's smarter than me, and I know that. So, and that's okay. I'm glad that uh, he knows so much, and he can answer these questions. But if there's any uh, questions about uh, this content here today, let me just ask you. Haven't you heard people just lightly throw out things about hell? Yes, sister, what do you got? I just want to know what, what proverb it is. Chapter 14, verse 9. Chapter 14, verse 9, and you will see different variations of it. Some uh, verses will say people mock the guilt offering. You know, uh, it, it, it's because of the translation of Hebrew, but that's from the King James and I believe the New King James Version. Fools make a mock of sin. And that's really the heart of the matter. They take things that God thought so much of, he had to send his only begotten son, and they take it lightly and say, ah, it's no big deal. That's what we're swimming in. That's the culture that we're swimming in. Yes? Right. That's in the Apostles' Creed. Yes. Um, oh, well, if anybody could do that, Jesus could. You know, I, this is something I talked to Ron about, and didn't he cover this already in, in, the, in the Apostles' Creed about Jesus going to hell? Uh, I'm not exactly sure of exactly what Jesus did, but because the Apostles' Creed explains it, what Jesus suffered on the cross was so intense that the sin of the whole world was put on him. And if after his death, in that three days before his resurrection, he actually did make an appearance. I mean, you know, we have verses. There's a verse in First and Second Peter about Jesus going preaching to the captives in hell. This is something that I'm not exactly sure of enough to give you a definitive answer. But uh, well, Jesus did what he had to do. He did say it is finished. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. These are good questions. And to answer these questions, you've heard there's a great throng of people around the throne in heaven. That's because they're all lined up with their questions, getting, waiting to get them all answered. That's when they'll finally get all your questions answered. And like I've heard Ron say all the time, people will say when they've been in heaven 10,000 years, oh, oh, now I get it. See, we walk by faith, not by sight now. There's some things we may not fully understand. But what we need to get there in our belief and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have enough to get us there. And it's, uh, oh, what a glorious, oh, what a Savior. I want to tell you, folks, what a Savior. That's, 
we should leave a class, we should leave a church service staggering and say, oh, the love of God. How great is the love of God? That's a good way to leave church service, rather than just walk out chewing gum. Yeah, okay, been there, done that. Hey, talk a little longer than I thought. Let's hurry up and go beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. There are more important things than that, folks. We, we should take the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God so seriously. But you can't take those things seriously if you mock sin and take it lightly. So, my advice, don't do that, based on the wisdom of the Proverbs. God forbid we take what nailed our Savior to the cross lightly and worse, make fun of it. I hope your ears will be tuned in in this next week or so, and you'll hear exactly the type of stuff I was talking about. You will hear people devaluing hell, talking about going through hell, something's funny as hell or something else, and making light of sin. Just remember, that's what fools do, not what God's people do. And uh, you should have enough boldness if you're in an atmosphere like that to say, hey, you better be careful. You know, it's like when people take the Lord's name in vain. You know, they, oh, so callously, they'll take the name. You know, whether they're ask, asking God to damn something or they're, they take that name above all names, we should remind them Jesus Christ is a name to be respected. You be careful how you use it. It's the name above every name. It's the name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And that's for real. Okay, if there's nothing else, we're going to conclude with a word of prayer. Is there anything else, Tom? Any announcements have to be made? Okay. Thank you, Paul. Awesome. God bless you. Let's close with a word of prayer. Oh, Lord, help us to always take your word seriously. Help us, Father, to never take things as horrible as sin lightly, Lord. Sharpen us, Lord, by the anointing and inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to live with our eyes and ears open, see what's happening around us, and to warn those of the judgment to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.